When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. and Smetty here. At the end of the day, it doesn't matter what I think. What matters is it doesn't matter. Welcome back to another edition of Golick and Smetty. I'm Mike Golick Sr. along with Jessica Smetana or Jess or Smetty. I always feel like I got to do that every week with you. I, you have more nicknames, like I said. But uh, Jess, we are in one of the best times of years in sports that there is. And with all that said, we started out the last podcast uh, talking about uh, Easter candy on that podcast mm-hmm. and, and Peeps. Sure yes. And we had, we had Clark Kellogg as a guest who, who started mixing Halloween candy because he liked candy corn. But then we found out there actually was candy corn made for Easter. And he had this shocking. Uh, yeah. Yeah. And he had this really um, high level thought of licorice uh, that he had. Uh, the, the Australian licorice or whatever. Have you have you gotten any Australian licorice since last week? No. Just I don't you even need know to order to, some. I don't even know where to get it. I don't I don't even know how to go about getting it. I feel like Amazon has everything, right? So you, you just would you just search Australian licorice? Yes, I think I think you can find it. Let me let me I'll work on that while we record yeah. this episode. You you just go for the next forty five minutes. I'll get us some licorice. There we go. Because because you know, I, or I could just text Clark again and ask him what the name of it was. <laughs> I wrote and, it down actually, but it's it's uh, at my other desk somewhere, so I got to go find that. He actually texted me after the after we recorded that last week, and he said, "Sorry about mixing my Halloween candy and my Easter candy." I'm like, man, no worries, candy. I mean, candy. It, it was a little sacrilegious. Yeah, it's like yeah. it's like missing mixing up like a nightmare before christmas and like jesus christ superstar very different films yeah very different different. different films so as i said this is like a greatest time in sports or we can debate whether it is or not but i always want to start did you bake anything I mean, again, for those that may be listening for the first time, Jess is one of the all-time great bakers of, of fine foods. And by fine foods, I mean cakes and pies and cookies and things like that. You say this, though, having never actually, like, tried anything I've baked. So you're just basing this off of aesthetics alone, which I, which I like. I am. But- yeah, I'm actually in the process of planning what I'm going to bake for uh, for Easter. I haven't been home for Easter in like three years because of the pandemic. I'm thinking I might go big this year, make some sort of like layered carrot cake. Are you a, are you a carrot cake fan? Oh, yeah, I'll do carrot cake. There's not many desserts I don't like. I'll tell you what I don't like is cake or desserts with, with a compote in it. Really? Like wow. A, like, I don't like I don't I don't mix fruit and dessert. Okay, so I like will... apple pie, you don't eat apple no, pie. No, 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 apple pie I eat. I guess I mean like cake that has the layer of compote. Okay. Okay. Like raspberry compote or strawberry compote. I don't like that. I, I get love what you're it. saying. Now, I don't like a lot of fruit pies. I like apple pie and I'll be honest, that's about it. I'm oh. not a monster pie eater. I like pumpkin pie, apple pie, Boston cream pie, chocolate cream pie, things like that. But if you start getting into the cherry pies and raspberry pies, I'm not a fan. Really? Well, not, I always yeah. found that, Mike, I, I don't know if you ever tried the cherry pie at North Dining Hall at Notre Dame, but that cherry pie was elite. When I used to do soccer camps uh, in South Bend at Notre Dame growing up, I used to eat a piece of that cherry pie every single day. It was probably 
terrible and probably why I always felt like garbage at those camps and did not get a scholarship offer. But it was like one of my favorite foods of all time. I love cherry pie. That's really interesting. So in the in the in the pie versus cake debate. Yeah. Are you a cake person? Big cake. Cake all okay. the way. All, all the way. But like I said, don't mix fruit in the cake. Like okay. like for Sydney's wedding, which is coming up, you know, uh, in about, God, what, 10 days, 11 days uh, from the time we're recording this, um, we have three different types of cake flavors. Really? Yeah. What are they? Yeah. Um, there's a chocolate. There's a red. I, I, was there? There's some sort of lemon, but no, no like fruit in it, okay. but it's lemon. And Neapolitan. Ooh. Which... When we were with the, the who's making the cake and they had this out and we we're doing all the testing, you know, of, of all the cake. One of the best things that I got to experience during the production of the wedding, of which I was not let in on anything. Basically, I just bought everything, but I was there for the food tasting, appetizer, salad, main course, everything and all the cakes. And we decided because they always ask, what do you want late night? you know, type foods. Right, like a pizza type thing. Yeah. Right, and pizza is one of the things, sliders, we're having things. But we decided instead of getting a bunch of different sweets, we're just going to get a few different cakes and go down that road. So, you know, one of the late night things, you can grab a piece of pizza and a piece of one of three different flavored cakes that we're going to have. Wow. Yeah, but the Neapolitan was, was I mean, I loved Neapolitan ice cream growing up. Yeah, and no, this, that's a revelation. This was stunning, Jess. Something I, I, I you know, I need maybe to make you could, that. Maybe yeah. you could put that in your repertoire there of making that. It was fantastic. I feel like the father of the bride doesn't usually get invited to the cake and food testings. How did you carve out this lane for yourself? I, I'm going to say this, Jess. I almost go the other way, and I think it would be sacrilegious and appalling, bordering <laughs> on bordering on terrorist like if the person paying for the wedding isn't allowed at every tasting <laughs> there is no that's right? fair that's fair i mean you definitely earned it i'm just saying like i, I haven't heard that before so listen, i think i think you're doing it right listen jess whenever you get married i'm going to tell you right now your father he better be at everything mike hold on a second because you and Stu Gotts promised during stupidity last week that you're both going to pay for my wedding if i make you go viral on TikTok, and i'm holding you to that okay well, so well you're I'm... welcome to come taste whenever i get married who knows in 10 years you can come but you're paying for it so here's the thing if Stugatz and i are paying for it i will be at every tasting without question <laughs> And if somehow, some way, we don't become TikTok t stars and make that, and your father pays for it, he had better be at every tasting. I will call after the tastings, and I will ask him how it was, just so I know he was involved in it. Fair enough. You can you can do that. I, I respect that. And like you said, this is one of the best sports times of the year, which is why we spent the last seven minutes talking about pie and cake. But <laughs> I'm actually... I think that this is a little up for debate because there's there's college basketball finishing up right now. We had two great championship yeah. games this past weekend. The Masters is this is this upcoming weekend. There's NBA, there's hockey, there's the WNBA draft in a week. There's so much going on. But I don't think this is the best time of year for sports. Why do you think that that is? Oh, I, I don't either. But the, and, and I listen, I've debated this for two decades for though. And a lot of it revolves around the fact of all the, the people who love golf. 
because it's the Masters. And the Masters is the holy grail to everybody, though some people, you know, U.S. golfers, it might be the U.S. Open, might be the, the, the British Open or the Open. The Open Championship. Say, the yes, Open correct. Championship. But the Masters, listen, I get it. It's revered. But here's why I don't think so, Jess, is because there's really only – there's the basketball championship, which is right at the beginning of April. So that just makes it in. So that's what makes April pretty good is it just makes it in. And, and again, quickly, you know, the women's game, unfortunately, wasn't the greatest in the world. I mean, South Carolina jumped out to a big lead. I think UConn might have gotten it to six at one point. Yes, that was the closest margin that they had the entire game. But just couldn't, couldn't get it back. South Carolina was too good. They were without question a better team. And then I thought Kansas was without question the better team. And man, and and it started out that way too. What was it, seven nothing or eight nothing? And I thought, oh God, that's the way the South Carolina, you know, game, South Carolina Yukon women's game started out. And I thought, oh no, you know, this this is gonna be this is gonna be tough here. But then boy, North Carolina made a great run and and had a, a monster lead at halftime. And and I think everybody at that point was going, wow, okay, th- this this is not what I expected. Yeah, I, I got to be honest with you, Mike. I slept through that entire game. It started at 9.30. It was after 9.30 Eastern time, and I had had a, like a long travel day, and I was just out cold. So this is the first recap I'm getting uh, via radio of the game last night. So I appreciate that. Is there any other things that I missed? Uh, any other fun things that happened during the national championship that I missed while I was sleeping? Well, I, I t- it was the largest comeback ever in a championship game. They were down 16 was Kansas at one point and they came back. And I think the biggest thing was, was the big men Armando. And, and I want to, is, is it Baycott? I, I hope I'm saying it right. Uh, the junior from North Carolina, the 6'10 kid who in the final four hurt his ankle, or, you know, coming you know, in, in that game, coming to the end of that game. And you thought, oh, no, he, you knew he was going to play in the title game. But was he going to be good enough? Because nobody else could really match up with, with, with Dave McCormick, the kid from Kansas, who was just a big, big stud in the middle. And, and this kid from North Carolina, man, he was playing phenomenal. He was doing a great job. He ended up, what did he end up with, 16 points in this one? Uh, how many, six, 15 rebounds? A double-double on the bad ankle. But right at the end when this game was close, he was driving and he turned his ankle. He turned the same ankle. And I think there was under a minute to go. And, and he went down turned the ball over, and, and he tried to hop back. What was interesting, Jess, and I, I thought it was an interesting just – I don't know if it was a display of sportsmanship or or Kansas just wasn't sure. Kansas got the ball. The kid turned his ankle, was on the ground by their basket. Kansas took the ball up. The other four from North Carolina got back. They had numbers. They were five on four, and they actually waited for uh, Baycott to limp all the way back down and then the refs blew the whistle because he was hurt. I mean, even the announcers were saying, boy, that was interesting why Kansas didn't take advantage of that. Uh, but they didn't. So they called a timeout. And sure enough, you know, what, what was going to happen? The big kid from North Carolina goes out. Manic, the, the long-haired, bearded kid from North Carolina, all of a sudden has to cover McCormick. That's a huge mismatch. They just dump it into McCormick. He hits a shot. And, you know, it, it, it gets to the point where – there was a late turnover by Kansas, which gave 
North Carolina one last shot to make a three with about four seconds to go, uh, but they missed that. But they did have a chance. But what a game it turned out to be. I did think the better team won. Um, I think a lot of people fell in love with Hubert Davis, the coach of, of Carolina. He's a very boisterous and very gregarious. Uh, he's a fun interview. Um, but I, I, I do think the better team won in this one, and it got to be pretty close. So I think the season uh, finally getting everything kind of back to normal was a nice end of the season for, for on the men's side. This is a, a great recap for anyone who lives on the East Coast like me and who slept through all of that because I like I think the game ended probably close to 11.30 midnight, yeah. right? Yeah, there's a lot of people like me out there. I, I know there's other people listening like, how could you sleep through? You're, you're a professional sports podcast host. How can you sleep through a championship game? Because I was tired, and 9.30 is too damn late. And I do stay up sometimes to watch like Monday Night Football or Sunday Night Football, but that's the exception. I can't, I can't do it all the time. And a Monday night is just, it's too much. We need to, we need to move the start times up. Uh, listen, I'm with you. And this is one of the beauties of me now being in Arizona six months out of the year. That was 6.20 my time. So <laughs> See, that's perfect. And Mike, yo. you, you used to do the morning radio, right? So you never yep. got to stay up late and watch primetime games. I, I'm the same way. We don't start quite as early on the Levitard show, but I am right. getting up around 6 a.m. every morning. So staying up until midnight pretty much just nukes my entire day. So people always ask me over the, the couple decades of doing the morning show is how do you stay up? I said a lot of times I don't. And what I do is I get up at 4.15 and we have the ability to watch what I miss compressed. I can watch it without the commercials and watch it compressed. So if I miss a quarter or a half, I can go back and see it, you know, before the show even starts. Because it, it is brutal. I, I think it's horrible that it all starts that late. And why they do it, I don't know. Because because 920 is even 620 on the West Coast. I mean, why can't you start it at 8 or 8? Why can't it be an hour earlier? I, I, I truly don't understand that. But obviously it has to do with the rating. So... You know, I think we're always going to lose that one. Yeah, probably. Speaking of ratings, I saw that the women's NCAA championship was up 18% since last year in, in ratings, and it peaked around 6 million viewers. I thought that was pretty cool. And one thing that I really loved about the final four, uh, both the final four round and the national championship, Diana Taurasi and Sue Bird were hosting a Manning cast-like mega yes. cast on uh, ESPN2 on another ESPN channel. I don't know if you watched any of it, but it was really funny. And those two, I thought were, I thought were better than Peyton and Eli. A, a lot of people thought those two may have, you know, had a, you know, some celebrate celebratory things uh, before <laughs> they the, were drinking out of red solo cups. I thought they were really good, but you know, how about this is interesting. So it's Tarasi, it's bird and doing the game is Rebecca Lobo all watching their, their former team Yukon lose. Yeah. So let me ask you this, because I know I have, I living in Connecticut for all those years. And I talked about this last time we we're in Notre Dame people. So we always sent our kids to school with Notre Dame jerseys on to piss off the Yukon people. Do you think the ratings would have been that high if UConn wasn't in it? Uh, that's a great question. I don't know. I think UConn probably has, draws a lot of the fans because they have yeah. um, such a you know dominant program over decades. They, they do have – there's no denying they have a ton of fans. I think people also wanted to watch Paige Beckers because she's one of the most exciting yeah. young players right now in, in basketball. Coming yeah. off the knee injury this year. She was a player of the year last year. 
And, uh, and, and the one young lady from South Carolina was a player of the year this year. They said the first time they had back-to-back players of the year going against one another. Yeah, so I'm not sure. I mean, I, UConn does get a ton of ratings yeah. because they have so many fans. But what, what's cool about the way that the season ended, I think, is that now Don Staley – like, the, the narrative was that, like, she was competing against Gino Ariema, and he has this – Spotless 11-0 record yeah. in, in championships. Never lost a championship. 11-0 in championship it's games until now. And Don Staley has won one before when she first was starting to turn South Carolina into a power, a basketball powerhouse. And so now she has another one. So it's proof that, you know, it wasn't a fluke that she's really building something in South Carolina so that maybe in 20 years she'll have 11 championships too and they'll have, like, talent at the level of Subert, Tarasi, and right, Rebecca right. Lobo that – then we'll have successful WNBA careers and be hosting those shows. Like, I don't know if you saw Asia Wilson was, uh, yeah, I, I think she was a guest during the final four round. And then she was at the game oh, yeah, I saw on her. Sunday oh, night. Oh yeah. Yeah. She was so excited and so happy. And that was really cool. Cause she's kind of the one who like started all of it. And she's had a, a really cool career in the WNBA since. So I thought it was awesome. Like from a, from a narrative perspective, like the passing of the torch, um, to Don Staley and her program was really cool to see. And then I don't know if you saw this, but Muffet McGraw had one of the oh, funniest tweets, Mike, after the game, which was the last five women's basketball national championship teams were all led by women. Let's keep this trend going. <laughs> uh, again, for those that don't know, the, the rivalry of Muffet and Gino, Notre Dame and UConn, was unbelievable. Those two, I don't think, really tried to hide at all. They really did not care for one another at all. And it, it was incredible. They put up the graphic, uh, the, the women's side 11-0, and, and I think the men's side was either 4-0 or 5-0. and They were undefeated. UConn, as a basketball school, was undefeated if they got to the title game. This was the first loss ever. So that was pretty impressive. But maybe with Dawn Staley, maybe she'll do that. Yeah. You know, maybe winning begets winning. So let's see if they get a string. You just mentioned a couple of their great players. Can they get a string of them? Because for UConn, you can you can mention two, two hands and two feet full of incredible right. players that they've had. So will South Carolina be able to get that? Or is the parity enough now in the women's game where it is going to spread itself out with Baylor and with Stanford, uh, you know, and obviously with UConn and South Louisville, Carolina, does yeah. North, North Carolina State, do they go in that in that category? And when Notre Dame will come back as well, so we'll see. Yeah, I thought I thought it was really fun though, and i i enjoyed I enjoyed watching that game, and I enjoyed watching Diana Tarazi and Sue Bird. I went, you, as you probably know, Mike. I went to Clemson my freshman year yes. of college, and so Clemson's main rival is South Carolina, and. When you go to Clemson, you know every Gamecock joke in the book. Like, you oh, can yeah. just name them all off the top of your head. So I really enjoyed watching Diana and Sue with their, you know, senses of humor making those jokes because that was something that I, I learned in college very early on. And it, it's funny to see that on ESPN. <laughs> yeah, listen, Gamecock humor is low-hanging fruit. It's about as easy as can be, right? No pun intended, right? No, no, it just it, it lends to <laughs> itself. But But continuing on in the why people say April is the best. It may be the most diverse because we just talked about the uh, college basketball. You know, uh, we talk, we're going to talk about the Masters here because Tiger Woods is in the news. You're talking about baseball opening day, you know, getting started, uh, where they're going to try this simulcast again. You know, ESPN is going to try it again with Michael Kay and, and Alex Rodriguez. I have no idea how that's going to go. We'll have to wait and see. 
And for the NFL, which is a year-round sport, you have the draft, which every team is excited about because this is when if you sucked in the regular season, you get one (laughs) of the top picks now. So there's so much riding on who these teams take early on. And we'll have time to get into the draft. It's at at the end of April. Um, But, I mean, I, I still to this day just am amazed at how popular the draft is. But I guess I can understand it because football is the top sport in the country and it involves every single team. Nobody is left out of this at all. Yeah, I, I love the NFL draft, and I think you nailed it. I think it's because everyone is excited until their team picks, and then maybe they're not as excited anymore because yeah, they yeah. don't like who their team picks. But there's always this uh, opportunity and optimism that your team will get better after the draft, hopefully, unless, you know, you're the the Giants in 2018 and you draft Daniel Jones and then you're all upset uh-huh. and you hate it. But, um, you know, I, I don't think that ended up being the worst draft pick. It wasn't probably what they wanted, but... It, the, the reaction at that time was, I think, over the top. But anyways, uh, it is very exciting. And so I'm I'm very excited for the NFL draft. And it also combines two of my favorite sports, which is college and NFL football, yeah, because there's yeah. people that either pick one or the other. And I watch a lot of both. So it's always exciting to see, you know, college players take the, the next step into the pros and get drafted. So I am very excited for that. And I'm sure we'll have fun, have fun covering it in a couple weeks. And, and, and I love what the NFL is doing with kind of barnstorming the draft. I mean, most of the years I covered it, it was right in New York, you know, and then it started making the rounds, you know, Chicago, Philadelphia, you know, and now it's going to be in Vegas and I might actually be at the draft this year. So how great is that? I can go watch the draft and gamble. Wow. I mean, it's like a beautiful thing. Um, <laughs> I think the draft is going to be in Detroit. So I, I like how it's moving around because the combine is going to do the same thing. I think the combine is going to start moving around as well. And I, and I do think that is a good thing. We have a little bit of NFL news that we'll get to. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. But the big news right now, and it's amazing. I talk, we, We've talked about this like the news cycle. Everybody in the world was talking about you know, Will Smith smacking, you know, Chris Rock and jokes going on everywhere. And now Tiger blew that off the page, right? (laughs) Tiger Woods, Tiger Woods looks like at the time of our taping of this, Tiger Woods, basically he's been at the Masters practicing and says he feels pretty good and all signs are pointing toward him playing, which just, if you think about it, what do we, seven, I think did we say 17, I'm not sure how, how long it was, but not that long, 14 or 17 months from that accident he had where there was talk about maybe losing the leg to the knee, to the ankle, to the foot, and the injuries he had. The only time we saw him golf was with his son, Charlie. And in that one, I believe Tiger was using a golf cart to get around. Uh, and this, he obviously cannot. He's going to have to walk. And I guess, the, and I didn't, I've never played at Augusta. It's way hillier than you think. When you, when you look at it on TV, it doesn't look that hilly, but there's a lot more undulations than people think. So he wanted to go there and practice to see if he could walk it because if he makes a cut, you're walking four days. And he hasn't played competitively since playing with his son. So, But, I mean, you want to talk about a ratings booster. I don't care if you love him, and there are people that I'm sure dislike him. You tune in either way because you want to see Tiger play. 
Yeah, for sure. I and I think it's uh it's interesting that he feels confident that he can swing, right? Like he he has a good swing and he's cool with all of that. It's just like the walking around yeah. that is going to be really hard for him after the injury and all the surgeries. And Tiger coming back from injury is kind of been the story of the last however many years of his career since he had all these back issues and then the spinal fusion surgery which he ended up winning uh, a major after which yeah. everyone thought that that was like stunning how can, you, how can you top that and and so i don't know if there are expectations that tiger will make the cut or even finish around or you know play on sunday in augusta this weekend but i think him showing up and still wanting to play and him talking about like having the ability to kind of pick and choose where he wants to play over the next few years, but that he does still want to play if he can. And as long as he can is, is interesting. And like you said, it is a huge, huge ratings boost. So I guess good for him. I'm always, I've always been someone who's liked watching Tiger Woods and, and rooted for him, even despite all of his, very public human moments. So I was going to ask you that, you know, now again, you were, you're young, way younger than me. So you were even obviously younger when this was going on with Tiger, where all of a sudden there was a lot of people who disliked him, especially women disliked him. And there was a real kind of barrier up between men and women on what they thought of Tiger Woods and what they felt about Tiger Woods. He seems to be universally really liked now, um, but, but then I, so I, I'm not even sure how old you were at that point when that was going on, but did it ever cross your mind to say, Oh man, I, I can't root for him anymore. Well, yeah. Like, so, so I was, I, the Tiger Woods, I think you're referring to the 2009, like him crashing the car at 2am, that whole TMZ thing that happened. Well, yeah. And then the whole thing you find wife. out about the women so, and stuff. Right. And yeah. I, that was one of those sports moments where, like, you remember where you were when you found out about that. And, like, I, I vividly remember that. But I think I was only maybe 15 years old uh, when that sure. happened. So I wasn't entirely sure of, like, what to make right, of all of it. Right. And so, yeah, like, my my interpretation of it has definitely changed uh, over the years. But I guess I find it, I find it hard to, like, be mad or dislike someone who's kind of worn it all on their sleeve like he he isn't he hasn't been able to be someone who can pretend that he's perfect right like he's had so many yeah. public embarrassing moments yeah. that yeah. you know I can root for him as a golfer know that he's not a perfect person but also know that like I'm not a perfect person no one's perfect no right. one's a perfect person so I you know I can see why people still really like him and and though I think his behavior has at times been like shocking and and completely at odds with I think the golfer that a lot of people fell in love with as he came up in the golf world and won all those majors I think that that's what makes him an interesting character and someone who I can easily see why people root for oh I, I mean it's it's it, I, I do as well and his quote um was again as a taping of this as of right now I feel like I'm going to play um, so, you know, he's the, the favorite right now is John Rahm, outright winner. He's at plus 900 on, on uh, DraftKings Sportsbook. So, obviously, you know, Tiger is going to be all over the place on, uh, on, uh, with, with, with if he was going to play. Like right now to win outright, he's plus 5,000. Um, so, obviously, not many people think he is going to win. But he's, I'm sure, going to be of the mentality that, you know, if – if I'm out there playing, I'm not, I'm not out here playing just to play. Uh, even though, as he said in his presser, I think it's I think it's something that I just made it to this point 
to even talk about possibly playing in the Masters. Because you're right, he can kind of pick and choose what he's going to do. He's 46. He's four years away from the Champions Tour where the old guys play. But And who knows if he'll do that or what he's going to do. But he can. He can just pick and choose when and where he wants to play because he has, uh, you know, so many exemptions for, uh, for, for everything. So it will be interesting what this accident, where it put him mentally, what he has with his son, Charlie, who is a golfer, and he's following that as Charlie's growing up, and then him still competing as well. Yeah, and this is a course that obviously, like, Tiger knows this course, right? So <laughs> he's, he's won it five times. He's played it, I don't even know how many times. Um, so that's an advantage for him and just and knowing where to put the ball. But it'll be interesting to see how his, how his legs hold up walking all the hills and if he's able to finish a few rounds. But oh, the expectations are, are sky high. Everyone wants, everyone wants a replay of 2019, right? And I don't know how realistic that is, but hopefully he'll be able to, to feel uh, like he accomplished what he set out for in playing this weekend. Yeah, so again, uh, to win, it's plus 5,000 for Tiger at DraftKings Sportsbook's top five. It's plus 800. Top 10 is plus 500. So, hey, you know, that, that's, that, that's one, man. I don't know which way to go on that one. I have no idea. But I would imagine if he's swinging well, Coming out of the gate, he may do well. It might be if he makes the cut that third day and that fourth day of how he feels when he gets up in the morning. You know, how does the leg feel? How does the back feel? So it might be one of those progressively it might get tougher for him as it goes on, but he may come out of the gate strong. So so we'll see. The only downer just for the Masters that I have is they don't have it on TV enough. The Masters is so into themselves they figure we're only we're going to be the we're going to leave you wanting more and they really do because they don't show a lot of it not like when the u.s open is on we see coverage all day all the time for the masters they they really keep it to a few hours and, and make you really want to know what's going on yeah i mean i i've never been uh invited to the masters or credentialed for the masters but like them making me not able to use my phone would be an automatic disqualification yep. for me like you can't use your phone at the you know, at the, uh, at the course, course. At, yeah. at all. And I'm addicted to my phone and that would just not work out. And the other thing about like Tiger, you know, having to walk the hills and all of that, I obviously am nowhere near important or famous enough or good enough at golf to ever play at Augusta. But if I was like, I don't think I could even walk that far. Like I do not walk with a golf bag. I don't even walk without a golf bag. If I have a caddy or something, I need a golf cart. That's why I go play golf because I have a golf cart and I drink a beer or like a hard seltzer and I ride around, do some donuts in the fairway. Like, Augusta is, is too much for me. I don't walk either. I walked <laughs> a couple of rounds because I had to of where I was, and I hated it. <laughs> I, I mean, people are like, oh, yeah, I walk for exercise. I don't walk for exercise. If I need exercise, I go to my Orange Theory Fitness, and I go there, and I get my exercise there. When I get on the course, I actually need three hands because I have a beer, I have a cigar, and nowhere to hold my club. So I have to set one of those two things down, which is later then picked up by some sort of food product uh, before I even take a swing. So I am with you. I don't want to hear about walking. I don't want to hear about, oh, it's great exercise. Fuck that. I want nothing to do with that. If I had to walk, I would be done by eight holes. God, and I've never walked and carried my own bag. I couldn't even, oh, I, would, I would just say, I'm worst. not golfing today. You want to say I'm a wuss and don't know what golf's like? 
I'm here for that. That's fine. I'm a hack. I'm not in the tour. I don't give a shit. I'm going to play golf the way I want to play golf. You know what happens when I'm behind a tree? I fucking kick the ball out so I can get a good swing at it. I'm not going to try and swing lefty. I'm not going to try and do in a stance and swing and probably friggin' hurt myself. I'm not going to do it. So I am going to play golf the way I want to play golf because I'm not going anywhere with it. I don't care what my score is. It doesn't matter to me at all. I want to get hammered and smoke a cigar. We're, we're going to clip that and put that on Twitter, I think. That that might be your, your TikTok moment that goes viral, Mike. That was, that was kind of an epic rant. Yeah, I agree, though. Like When I was little, my, my dad is a big golfer. He always wanted me and my sister to learn how to play golf. So he gave us, you know, lessons. We were like super lucky to be able to have golf lessons, but my sister and I had no attention spans for golf. <laughs> and so we were like, dad, we don't want to do this. We want to play soccer. And he was like, fine, broke his heart. And then like later in life, I started playing again. And my dad was like, why, you know, why are you suddenly interested in golf? Like I, I tried to get you to like golf when you were younger and right. you, you hated it. And I was like, because now I can drive a cart. Yep. I don't have to walk. 18 holes lugging my little baby golf bag around and do all this shit by myself. Now I can actually drink and I can ride a golf cart and golf is fun. Golf is not fun when you're 12. You can't drink, you can't drive a golf cart no. and you're lugging all your shit around. I a thousand percent agree. And I, and I've become, and I told my boys like to golf too. Sydney doesn't really golf to you. You just want to get at least good enough to when you go play, you're not, you know, everybody's not helping you look for your ball all the time. You know, mm -hmm. you want to be representative at a scramble. You want to be able to use your shot every now exactly, and then. Exactly, yes. If you're all playing on your own, you'd love to be pretty good. Like, like I'm like a 13. If I can get to a 10, I'll be happy. I'll be happy with that. You know, I'm not going to ever play enough to get really any much better than that because you hit a bad shot and it's like, well, you know what? I don't play a lot. So that's just, I don't, I don't take it. I don't get hard on myself about it because I don't do it enough, but I just want to be good enough to not be that guy. Ah, oh, shit. Golik's hitting again. Get rid. Make sure you watch where the ball goes because God knows it's not going on the fairway anywhere. So yeah. I just try not to be that guy. <laughs> you're, you're right. Like the, the best bit of advice I heard uh, golf wise a couple weeks ago, we did a Levitard show golf uh, outing. I saw, at I saw you, had a, you had a nice swing. Jess, I thought you had a really good swing. Thank you, Mike. I appreciate that. I We were at Stugatz's golf course, and Chris Cody said, if you're going to be bad, be fast. And that is spot on. If you're bad, you got to play fast. You got to go, swing, move on, get your ball. You can't be standing there taking five practice swings and then hit it into the water and then take a mulligan, hit yep. it into the water again, look for the ball for 15 minutes. Like You got to be fast. And that was great advice, and no one on our show followed it. The, the, oh, God, because everybody started drinking too early, I'm sure. <laughs> the best advice I got when I was at uh, ESPN, me, Trey, and Mike, and my son Mike were doing a show, we had a contest to take a bunch of winners to Pinehurst and play for a couple of days there, wow. which was phenomenal. It was phenomenal. And at Pinehurst, nice. they have caddies, which is a beautiful thing. Um, and we were on the tee box one time, and one of the winners thought he was better than he was. So I was asking the caddy, so there's a tree, where do I hit around, the blah, 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 hit off the tee box, where do you know? Finally, the caddy just looks at him and said, hit it where they mow the grass. And I thought, <laughs> wow, that is awesome, man. Just hit it where they, he said, if your second shot can be where they mow the grass, that means you're in the fairway, it means you got a shot. <laughs> so I thought it was great, that was great advice.
That was awesome. And luckily, it was like on the second hole before I got too drunk to even know what he was saying anymore. So, <laughs> so we'll see what happens with the Masters. And more importantly, you know, it'll be interesting for the other players out there because, listen, in, in a sport of popularity, you lose to Tiger Woods. You just lose. You know, John Rahm could be playing the round of his life, and if Tiger's out there, people are going to be following Tiger, and the camera's going to be on Tiger at least until Sunday if Tiger's not in competition anymore. I do want to end on the NFL, but very quickly, Jess, again, as I'm beginning into F1, and we have no F1 to talk about because there was no race last week, and the next one's in Australia, I happened to be flipping around one morning, and I actually caught it, the World Cup soccer draw. And the reason oh. I stayed on it was because the U.S. men finally made a World Cup. <laughs> it's been a bit. So I was I was interested to see where they were going to be. And it turns out they're in the group with England. I think they're in Group B and, and in the group with England. But, boy, what a production that World Cup draw is. I mean, it was one of those where I was waiting for the draw and they kept doing other shit. And I'm like, my <laughs> God, just get to the draw. I mean, let draw. <laughs> So, so I was actually in the car when this was happening and I, I tried to find it on Twitter and like I finally found it and I turn it on and there's someone singing and there's like 10 backup dancers. And I was like, yeah, I think yeah, this is yes. the wrong broadcast. And so I turned it off and it turns out that was the World Cup draw. They it did was. like a whole performance before it. That's so bizarre. Like imagine being like, I don't know who performed at it. I don't know who they, the person I, was. But I don't know who it was. They, they said it. I didn't know who they were. There was three different people. Imagine being like that person and your agent calls and they're like hey we're getting an offer to perform at the world cup draw like it's not the world cup it's not an actual game it's not like a halftime show it's like before they pick balls out of a hat or something to draw names for the world cup groups so what i what i would wonder though jess is soccer is the most popular sport on the planet not in the u.s i get it but on in the planet so i wonder if that's like a huge thing because you wonder how many might eyes be. are going to be on that. And one it of the looked hosts, well produced. I mean, it, it looked nice. Yeah, they no, it did. One of the hosts was Idris Elba, who I really like. I think, and I think he should be the next James Bond. I, I I'm a big fan of his. But he was one of the hosts of it. Oh, and you know he was well paid. Like oh. Idris Elba's not hosting a World Cup draw for chump change. Who right? isn't the World Cup? There, you know how many millions or billions are, are involved in that thing? It's especially from the bribes alone. Uh, <laughs> allegedly. But, yeah, allegedly. Thank you. Um, but yeah, I, that, so I, I did, uh, I did watch that and, and somebody did mention because I think it starts in November. So somebody did mention, how about this for a weekend? Thanksgiving, you have your three NFL games. I believe the day after Thanksgiving, England and the U S play. No and way. On Friday. And then on Saturday is Ohio state, Michigan. I mean, so that's a, that's a pretty nice three days uh, going to go along with all and the Notre other Dame USC college right? games that are going on, <laughs> right? Or, or World Cup games. That's pretty good headlining right there. I think that's pretty neat. Yeah, I think any best uh, time period in sports conversation for me has to take place around the fall because yeah. you get college football and NFL football. And now, you know, there's going to be Formula One. And now well, there always has been, but I wasn't a fan before, so it was irrelevant to me. But now I'm a fan. So we got a lot of stuff going on this fall. I'm very excited for it. And speaking of Formula One in Vegas, Formula One's going to Vegas and they're doing a street race down the Vegas Strip. Mike, are you going to be attending this in uh, 2023? Listen, my future son-in-law, who I will stop saying future in another 11 days because he will be my son-in-law. He loves F1. I said, we're trying to get down to Miami. 
uh, where they're going to have a race. And I, now he'll be in med school at the time. So I don't know how. <laughs> hey, <laughs> hey, Ben, you want to take some time off and let's go to this F1? I don't know uh, uh, if he'll be able to do that. Now it'll be on the weekend, so maybe he will. So if, if med school's I not that important. Come if, on. <laughs> hey, it's going to support my daughter and not have <laughs> me support my daughter anymore. So med school is very important to me for Ben. But I think that'll be cool. I mean, as you said, part of the course going right down the strip, I think will be a, a really, really neat thing. So uh, NFL, listen, there's always NFL news. We talked about the draft that's coming up at the end of the month. But the latest, one of the latest things that, that we have not had a chance to talk about was not only Tom Brady coming back, but then Bruce Arians stepping down um, as the head coach. And then all of a sudden, everybody was throwing out that Brady only came back if Bruce Arians was going to step down. Did you buy into that game? I mean, the timing was weird, right? I don't see any smoking gun or any proof or evidence. And they, if it is because Brady said they wanted Bruce Arians to leave, they're all playing the parts very well and seeming like it's no big deal. So I, I don't know. What did you think? I, I don't think so at all. I, I do not think so at all. And, and here are my reasons. He's played for him the last two years. They won a Super Bowl and then lost, you know, a game, two games before to the Rams, to the eventual champs, right? I, I don't know what the interference could have been in those two years. It was basically, it got to the point where they were running Tom Brady's offense. They were letting him do his thing between him and Byron Leftwich. So I don't even know how much Bruce Arians was involved in that. And now to think that it worked well enough to win a Super Bowl and then get, you know, a couple of games to the next Super Bowl that Tom would say, I'm only coming back if Bruce is gone. I just don't buy it. And I think here's the reason why he did it is because who was named head coach. So when all the spots are available for coaching, we hear all the interviews, we see when all the hiring goes on. Well, all the hiring is done, correct? And all and we're getting ready to, to enter the phase of, or we are in it now, but, but at the point we're getting ready to enter free agency. So you better be set, right? So what's the last thing in the world that you want to do if you're a team is to start a search for a new coach that may bring in a new head coach, new coordinators, new assistant coaches, changing your whole scheme. So my opinion is Bruce Arians knew he wasn't going to coach, waited until it was past the point of no return and said, I'm retiring and no way Tampa was going to find a coach outside because then everything would have changed. I'm retiring and I want Todd Bowles to take over. And that was the easiest, best route for Tampa Bay because it keeps the continuity of the staff together, everybody together, and you just go on. So I think this was more about Bruce wanting Todd Bowles to be the next head coach. So he waited to a point of no return where the team couldn't go out and do some massive search where then everything changes and you're already into free agency and getting closer to the draft. I do think that makes more sense than a conspiracy theory that doesn't seem to have a lot of evidence backing it up. But I, I, I do also think that people people like Stugatz, you know, Jets fans, people who want to believe that Tom Brady's always up to something nefarious are probably still going to believe the conspiracy theory. Yeah, yeah, I think they are as well. And then to end on the NFL, listen, the Washington Commanders are, are in the news again. We know what they've been in the news for uh, before this. They're in the news now for the possibility of the accusation 
that they were steering revenue in a way that they would get some of it back by steering it to the visiting team and then the, that splits amongst all the teams, blah, blah, blah. Nobody's going to want to know, and that's part of the, the question I want to ask. Nobody's going to want to know the specifics of it. They just want to know if they're guilty. Washington seems to be just in the news for a lot of bad things, and they always say where there's smoke, there's fire. Again, these are all accusations. But it seems like there's smoke coming out of every window of that organization right now. Yeah, and the this new these new allegations came up, I believe, because Congress is probing the Washington football team because of the sexual right. harassment investigation that the NFL conducted last summer that then resulted in an oral report by the lead investigator and no physical, you know, written report right. that anyone could access or read. So then this kind of set off like a whole chain reaction. Like somehow John Gruden got fired in the middle of it for right, emails right. that they found. So this has just been like a cascading, um, you know, set of of domino pieces falling ever since all of those accusations came out in the Washington Post. Um, but yeah, the, the latest things regarding, you know, finances is uh, a bad look if it turns out to be true. Probably a bad look in more ways that the NFL would care about because it would impact the bottom line directly. So I don't know what, you know, evidence has been found yet. I don't know what is going to come out of this, but um, it, you, like you said, there's a whole lot of smoke uh, from all of these allegations. Yeah, there really is. And, and you just wonder, because we've seen owners get removed. We saw Sterling with the Clippers. We saw Jerry Richardson with the with the Carolina Panthers, and you just wonder where it's going to go. So two things out of it that I see is, are we seeing independent investigations? Are we, are we, or is there transparency to that? Is it, because I always hate when the team gets to do their own investigation, which is really, really weird. So, and, and it, it seems like we hear there's going to be an investigation, and then do we get an end of it? You know, so it, it seems like murky waters at times, maybe it takes time. And I know that some in some there are independent um, there are independent investigators out there. But I guess here's my overall question. Do we because the money thing is one thing. Sexual harassment is another. That, that's a pretty serious offense. But I guess I still ask this. If you're a fan of football out there, even a fan of the Washington Commanders, do you care? I mean, do you, do you care when it gets down to Sunday, when your team is going to play, do, do you care about any of this? I feel like, I, I don't know a lot of Washington commander fans, but I feel like there might be a large section of them that do because of how bad ownership there has been over the past few decades. So I don't know what the tipping point is or how you can quantify it, but there have been so many so many things that have come out of that organization that make me think that I, I'm, it's possible that in this case, a lot of fans do really care. It is one of those things where if one thing and then another thing comes out and, and for the league, listen, the league is pretty much Teflon, right? I mean, there's not a lot that could damage the league, but if you start in this last investigation, you start messing with revenue, that's going to, you know, certainly tick them off. And obviously even worse, the sexual harassment uh, allegations that are going on that we need to, 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 get some sort of come to some sort of, you know, ending on at some point with an investigation. And, but, but I, I guess I wonder, and I guess it would be more to the Washington commander fans. Do, does it matter to you? Does, does what Daniel Snyder is doing 
affect you watching those players on the field? Because we heard Alex Smith, the former quarterback of the Washington Commanders, you know, after the injuries and everything, and then he retired, he said it felt like a toxic, you know, not in the locker room, but the the franchise, and it felt tough there, felt a bit toxic there. And so you wonder what carries over to the field. But but I always wondered this because, you know, we'll, we'll see what the investigation brings out. But but I ask any any of the fans out there, does it matter to you at one o'clock or four o'clock when your team is going to play? What's going on with your team? Do you say I'm not going to watch that team anymore or because it's like, well, it's these guys. They're not involved in what's going on. I want my I want my jersey to win that. That's that's what I wonder. I do wonder if that answer changes if your team's good or not, because uh, yeah. recently the commanders have not been. And also, like, I, I'm still not used to saying commanders. I, I like Washington football team. I think I we should have just stuck with that. I did, too. I did kind of like that. The, uh, the uh, what was it, the WFT, right? I mean, I, yeah. I, I kind of like that. It almost spelled WTF, which yeah, is yeah, really yeah. How, I, how I always feel when I think of that team. It's yeah, we, we, exactly. That organization. It's, <laughs> it's so true. So we'll, we'll see where, where that ends up. But I just wonder. Um, so to everybody out there, you know, I, I wonder, you can let us know, do you, do you care? Does it matter to you at all? I know everybody cares, like I said, about the draft. We'll be talking more and more uh, about that. Uh, so we will get into that more. And, um, and obviously the biggest question will be after this, you're done listening to this pod and we're done taping this pod. Jess, what are you making next? I don't know, Mike. I haven't decided. I, I guess my, my, Instinct is carrot cake because it sounded like you really liked that idea. So maybe I'll do that. Do you have you ever made red velvet? I have made red velvet. Yeah, okay. not like a layered cake. I made like red velvet cupcakes before. Okay, I'm a fan of that. Yeah, I, I'm a big buttercream fan. Cream on the inside of things. I don't like like donuts. I don't like Boston cream. I don't like like really? custard. Like cream, almost like whipped cream type things. Oh, I like okay. that kind of a filling in there as well. That's why we need to get this show to be video so we can be in the same spot at some point doing some sort of food prep thing so I can eat and you can yes, bake. Yeah, absolutely. I think well, that works. Well, we'll get to it. Don't worry. All right. All right. I hope so as well because I'm ready to eat and you're ready to bake. And that's the way we're going to end this podcast. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem, crisis counseling and referral services can be accessed by calling 1-800-GAMBLER in Illinois, Indiana, Michigan, New Jersey, Pennsylvania, West Virginia, and Wyoming. 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-522-4700 in Colorado and New Hampshire. 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org slash chat in Connecticut. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-877-770-STOP in Louisiana. 8778-HOPE-NEW-YORK or text HOPE-NEW-YORK 467-369 in New York. Visit OKGR.org in Oregon. Call or text the Tennessee Red Line 1-800-889-9789 or 1-888-532-3500 in Virginia. 21 plus only. 18 plus in New Hampshire and Wyoming. Physically present in Arizona, Colorado, Connecticut, Illinois, Indiana, Iowa, Louisiana, Michigan, New Hampshire, New Jersey, New York, Oregon, Pennsylvania, Tennessee, Virginia, West Virginia, and Wyoming only. Eligibility restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for full terms and conditions. No results guaranteed. Void were prohibited. Eligibility restrictions apply. See www.draftkings.com slash sportsbook for full details. Odds and lines are subject to change.